0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with uh, host Lou Weiss, who's also the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we have back on Artem Krupenev from Augury. We were talking about artificial intelligence and in manufacturing in our first episode with him, and we talked kind of high level. I think today we'd like to get into some of the real applications of AI in manufacturing. Artem, welcome back to the show.
1: Great. Really, really nice to be back here. Thanks for, for inviting me back.
0: I'd like yeah. to have more. Yeah.
1: Nice to have
0: you. <laughs> I'd like to have more detail. I was going over some notes, Artem, and I uh, something caught my eye called AI co-pilot in manufacturing, uh, an interesting phrase. Can you explain it a bit?
1: Sure. So, so uh, in the previous, uh, part previous episode, we talked about the implications of AI. What does it mean? There's a lot of hype around it. Uh, so I just want to make sure that, you know, to put kind of a finer point on that, you know, we talked about whether we should fear it. What does it mean for the <laughs> workforce? Is, uh, hell 9,000 coming, right? And I said, HAL 4,000 mistaken. It's HAL 9,000. Is that the future? And the answer is no, uh, AI is a capability, it's an infrastructure that is ultimately going to make us smarter, better, more productive at what we do, uh, at, at the things that we do. And uh, for the manufacturing industry, ultimately, they will bring a lot of resilience, a lot of innovation, creativity, um, and, and so forth. So that's that's kind of that, that, that piece. Um, uh, the point I wanted to mention about uh, co-pilots and AI-driven co-pilots, the idea is very simple. You know, when you think about piloting an airplane, there is a whole bunch of systems today that uh, are actually only some of them or partially are AI-driven, most of them are software uh, and rule-based that enable today the planes to uh, take off, to land themselves, to cruise and to fly and to take care of uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of different actions that a pilot might need to otherwise do. And in some cases, do that, make some decisions whether to do this or that autonomously. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has enabled us to really make aviation a hell of a lot more safer, uh, more efficient, and, and a lot more ubiquitous is the introduction of these uh, autonomous systems and they keep improving. So a pilot today and a, and a commercial aviation pilot is not able to really do their job effectively without that co-pilot capability, right? They can take the reins when needed in case of emergencies, but they can't really do their job t- day to day and definitely not at the scale where we are in terms of commercial aviation. That same concept is coming to every industry and to every profession. So every type of knowledge work or every type of functional work uh, where you need to make decisions, where you have a lot of tasks that need to be completed, uh, where you rely on, uh, you know, a lot of information to make those decisions, um, AI in its various forms is going to enable us to uh, really do those jobs a lot better. And that concept um, can be called co-pilots or AI-driven co-pilots. I think Microsoft is really leaning into that branding with, uh, with its own tools and, and, and applications. Uh, but really, it's, it's a form of, well, let's say, hybrid intelligence, right? That, that enables us to, to do our jobs better. Uh, and, and there are many examples of that. One of the examples is, of course, when we talk about machine health and what Augury is doing, machine health, process health, we are building a form of uh, functionality that, that enables co-piloting uh, uh, functions or whole roles around reliability and maintenance, as well as process engineering and, and operations. So now you have a, a smart AI-enabled copilot that can make the job of a reliability engineer a lot easier, a lot simpler, and take care of a lot of the different tasks and capabilities and even some decisions that they're making today. Um, and, and the future of that, of course, is that, that capability is going to improve, get a lot better, and make, make those functions a lot more effective.
0: I was just reading where in the medical field, they applied AI to a cancer strategy for uh, the most common form of liver cancer, and the AI came up with a a possible approach to treating it in 30 days, something that normally takes 12 to 18 months. Clearly, AI will help us in the medical profession
1: yeah, I mean, uh, th- there are, there are various applications, but but the theme is is very similar to to the way I described it. And the way to measure AI capabilities is to, at first for us, because we don't really have a better concept of it today, but it is a useful way of doing it, is to measure it against human capacity, right? Human accuracy, human capability, uh, human uh, productivity and efficiency. And so <clears throat> there's kind of a you can think about it almost as a scale, is AI close or as good as a human at performing a certain task? And then when you get beyond human capacity, is AI more accurate than an individual human or better than an individual human? Um, and is it as good as, let's say, 10 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people, right, at, at performing that specific task? So if you were to, in that medical example, if you were to, Take a uh, an expert, uh, a medical professional that is able to make those types of diagnoses based on imagery or or, or other you know uh, data, then uh, if you were to ask a hundred professionals to make the same kind of judgment and kind of do the uh, the average and figure out do they get to the right decision, Is AI as good as that or a thousand or even more, right? And so in some mm-hmm. areas, we're rapidly moving certain areas, certain functions, and definitely within certain tasks, use cases, we're rapidly moving uh, towards the ability of AI go well beyond human capacity. And if we think about uh, the area of, let's say, machine health and predictive maintenance and process health, that is already uh, the case for the last few years. You know, with, with Augury, we have moved beyond human capacity in terms of accuracy and definitely in terms of scale. So, you know, Augury's uh, systems can monitor hundreds of thousands, millions of machines at once. Uh, so essentially, if you're a manufacturer, uh, you would need a few hundred people to do that job semi-effectively, whereas you get that within a moment's uh, notice. It's instantaneous. So that level of scale is just impossible uh, with, with, uh, to, to do uh, through traditional methods. So that's how we can also measure the effectiveness of AI, the effectiveness of these co-pilots, if you will, in in helping us do our jobs. So
2: this uh, sort of takes care of the skill gap
1: issue, does it not? Uh, I don't think that's partially, right? So that that might be a part of of the answer is that uh, we are lacking skills at scale. Right, so if we were to think about solving a specific problem by uh, taking a, a bunch of people, training them and and having them do that job, right, that takes care of that problem because it enables scale for certain functions right. for certain certain use cases, but it does not care take care of the general skill development for people, right? We uh we are learning machines, we're learning creatures, right, and so um uh we will and are developing new skills on how to take advantage of this technology in a sense. So <clears throat> if you think about you know skills as something that is set in time, right? As, as, as a constant, then yes, uh, eventually we will develop systems and platforms to make sure those skills capabilities are more and more scalable with the use of AI. But as we work with AI technologies, also our skills develop in making better use of them right so i think the more important skill for us to develop as individuals and also as organizations as as companies especially within the manufacturing space is to make use of these technologies and learn from them and then make those technologies better and then turn make our own processes and capabilities better so it becomes a continuous learning loop and that approach to learning that approach to skill development is what we really need to emphasize uh, today
2: so, what is everybody afraid of? <laughs> losing, I, I, losing their jobs. Uh, uh, you know, it's like the like the blacksmith who, when the car came along, he was afraid. Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to make uh, horseshoes anymore. That conversion was probably a lot more difficult than what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think there there's a couple of things. One is. 99% of the world's population don't really understand this technology. Only 1% does. And that uh, leads us to, you know, get overexcited uh, and also to, you know, it leads to anxiety. Uh, and also, you know, for companies that don't have a good understanding within their ranks, uh, it leads to an, both an overestimation and an underestimation of the capabilities. That's well, kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, and right. so so I think... Um, I think that's that's one part. The other part is that uh, this is one of the first times in history, I think, for manufacturing where or industry in general, where we need both more people and more automation at the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just going to be impossible. So it's really the convergence between the two that's going to be both the challenge and also the the, the exciting part. Yes, some parts of uh, what we're doing today, will be uh, redundant in a sense right or will be massively scaled with, with this type of technology but we will rapidly develop new ways of of solving problems and new functions and new roles and that's already happening right and i think i think the mindset uh uh needs to change rapidly as well that mindset uh mindset of of zero sum or kind of uh set Monolithic uh, uh, learning, right? That you know what happened before is what it will keep doing, or what we will need to keep doing. But we need to we need to change that into we need you know we need to use these technologies, use these capabilities, develop our use case. Says adopt them, um, and and uh, rapidly then find a new path uh, or our own path in terms of how we will become better, uh, in, in terms of our uh, own roles and functions, and maybe develop new roles and functions. The other piece is there's also a rapid generational gap, right? Technology is developing exponentially. And so there are people who uh, understand how things were done before or how they're done traditionally. And there are people who don't, but they understand technology, right? Or, or are used to using it. And so that level of reverse training or integration of how we train each other on understanding and coming with, up uh, with new cases is becoming incredibly important. So I think today long gone are the, the, the days of like apprenticeship or somebody coming into the job and learning all the ropes from scratch. When you come in into a job with your uh you know uh tech savviness if you will or in a, a better understanding of these AI technologies, you have to create an environment where both the people who exist in that role for 20, 30 years and you know the new people that come in are learning from each other synergetically and respecting each other's knowledge in a way that they can create something new. I think that is uh that approach uh, is what's going to drive a lot of not just a resilience in manufacturing, but also a lot of innovation going forward. So that, that's what excites me about it.
2: This is uh, not too dissimilar the time frame, where uh, in manufacturing right now in the United States, there's 3 million manufacturing jobs that are open and we don't have people to fill them or we don't have people who want to film. Well, the same same situation happened in Japan after the Second World War. They lost a whole generation of men who worked in manufacturing. So they came up with the original, I guess, the original AI, and that's the robot. So they created the robot, and we're creating the broader version of that AI so we're 70 years 80 years later
1: we're in the same place uh i think we're in a similar place in terms of the technological evolution or the nature of how technology evolves um i think there are a few key differences one of the key differences is that the uh, the um adoption uh and the rise of of these technologies is exponential where back then they were still nascent and then quite linear in the nature and that's fueled by a number of different uh, aspects but definitely the way we communicate today has changed dramatically and so the consumer world and the manufacturing or the industrial enterprise world they coexist at the same time and reinforce uh the adoption and also the rise of these technologies across the various use cases so that that has changed. so the pace has, has dramatically changed for, for, from them uh, f- from that time. The other piece I think that uh, uh, people still don't have a very good, or a lot of people don't have a good understanding of, is that AI. You know, when talking about artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence, that's not one thing. And you can kind of uh, divide that into two two broad categories. One is you can think about it as our uh, you know intelligence that can understand. Uh, uh, um, and enhance the capabilities of things right so ai that understands things the other type of ai is ai that understands conversations and people and uh, there has been huge advance in you know in the last few months in terms of uh you know the, the latest uh, large uh, language models that have uh, you know been open to the public in terms of the conversational AI understanding people. We tend to conflate between these two, uh, but what you were referring to in terms of software that was used to run, run robotics and automation uh, you know 50 years ago, uh, the evolution of that yes, has gone through various uh, um, uh, phases, but today we're seeing AI uh, like AI around predictive maintenance or machine health and others. That can help make sense of and understand things and make them operate better at at a large scale. Um, when we talk about AI, that can help us understand language and people. Uh, that is the part that was missing until very recently, and that changes the game a little bit. And that is because uh, you know we are now you know as as an organization, let's say as a company, we don't just function through our ERP system manufacturing floor floor automation systems uh, through our databases through our financial transactions we function through a a whole of a lot of you know series of conversations between people within the organization the documents that are shared the presentations the conversations with the customers what happens in the boardrooms the legal agreements and so forth the slack messages right or the, the the microsoft teams and the emails that is really the heart and soul of the, of the enterprise and almost any organization that until today hasn't been really, I would say, enhanced dramatically by, by AI, but this AI that can understand conversations can actually help us do that. So today we have AI that can effectively run our production processes or help enhance our maintenance decision-making and so forth, but also help us understand what is actually happening Within our market, within our company, within the people uh, that 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 do that, and combining the two is going to be the next frontier. That is dramatically different than any other uh, kind of evolution or revolution uh, that we've had before. So that that is uh, kind of the 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 big differences, if you will.
2: So we are going through, I guess, the third industrial
1: revolution. I would say we're beyond the fourth, if if if, that's, <laughs> if you if you keep count. <laughs> okay,
0: so Arden is uh, machine health AI at a stage where it can say, okay, that machine over there has a part that will fail in 173 hours. I'm going to order it. I'm going to get it delivered by UPS or Amazon. Uh, when it arrives, there'll be a note attached to it that says it's going to go to this machine. Is it at that level yet?
1: Uh, yes, and that, that's that's very exciting because uh, it, it actually is or very close to that to that level. Um, the detection part, you know, we can break it down into a few pieces. But essentially, can you, are you able to detect machine failure? Can you accurately say what exactly it is ahead of time? Can you tell me exactly how to fix it? We do that today with over 99.9% accuracy. And, and just to give you a sense, when you ask really good machine experts, whether they're motivation analysts or reliability engineers, uh, how well do they perform on these types of tasks? They're around 80%. Uh so, so, so this is definitely beyond uh, human capacity, but we do, uh, but it is a hybrid intelligence system in the sense that we have AI and we also have experts working to uh, help customers make decisions uh, at the same time. Then we're also working where we've have partnered last year, I believe, with uh, one of the larger logistical uh, services providers and inventory management providers, where that's one of the use cases. We're actually working with with a couple of customers on saying, well, you have a a recommendation from Augury that says this is the machine, this is the part, essentially the issue that you have, and here's how you will need to fix it, and then it alerts their systems to order automatically order the spare parts that that you need. So you've (laughs) you've described the use case that's that's uh, that we're uh, in the process of deploying. Uh, but we are with a, l- a lot of our customers are already moving towards that, autonom- towards that uh, autonomous maintenance, meaning that there's an augury alert. You need to go and fix it because the level of trust and reliance of the system is so high. Uh, we actually also ensure our accuracy. So uh, if uh, a machine fails on our watch, if you will, we have a program to uh, repair and replace that uh, that machine, that component, which is the first uh, Uh, industrial ai that's been actually insured right that just is the testament to its accuracy so you can think about these these use cases Uh, you can also think about use cases where with our process health solution uh, you understand based on your objectives let's say you want to increase throughput on your production lines or your quality in your production lines uh, how does that inform your maintenance strategy if you're running your machines faster or you know at a different rate or using a different material, but you still want to produce your quality product at a lower cost. Do you need to maintain your machines more often? Which machines are more likely to fail? Which spare parts you will eventually need in your inventory for immediate replacement in case those machines fail? So now we're moving much closer to the ability to to do that, to predict that level of operational uh, uh, insight and 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 essentially autonomy, right? Uh, if if you are a leader with a manufacturing you know you're asking strategic questions like is it better for me to produce this type of product here how fast can i produce it what does it mean for me to produce it you know uh, standardize it how quickly can i change it across my plants uh, and again i think with uh, machine health process health capabilities we're moving much closer to be able to answer those questions more accurately and definitely much faster than uh, manufacturers are able to today.
0: Well, Artem, I wish our 23 minute window was longer because having a conversation with you is both fascinating and easy. Uh, We really enjoy it, but we're at at that uh, end point where We have to let everyone know that you can hear us on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify and we're starting to branch on the AMFM radio. So we appreciate you being with us and thank you.
1: It's been really a privilege. So thank you so much. Thank thank you very much. And why
2: don't you give us your website address for our listeners?
1: Oh, absolutely. If you want to check out Augury, it's uh, www.augury.com, A-U-G-U-R-Y.com easy enough even even
2: us humans can understand that (laughs) (laughs) and while
0: you're out there also check us out you can type in manufacturing actually mfgtalkradio.com you'll come right to that section of the website where you can see this podcast episode and thank you for being with us on this episode of manufacturing talk radio